The content of this podcast should not be considered financial or investment advice. All interviews and discussions are opinions only, and the podcast has been created without taking into consideration the listener's financial objectives, financial situation, or needs. Listeners should obtain independent advice before making any financial decisions. Hi, this is Barry Fitzgerald, Garen Perrow columnist for Stockhead. Welcome to another edition of the Explorers podcast. Now, Australia's third production gold boom got going in the early 1980s, and it continues on today, but it largely passed over South Australia. But if we look back over that period, there are three names that stand out for lighting up the state's untapped gold potential, in the modern era, that is. We've got Challenger, Takula, and Tantkilia. At various stages in the last 40 years, all of those three have triggered many booms of interest in their home address of what is the Gawler Creighton. But it's only now that all three are housed within the same company. We're talking about Art and Gold, which IPO'd in June last year. It comes at the opportunity to establish a gold province of real scale, given its commanding position in the Gawler Creighton and its ownership of those three names I've just mentioned. And it has to be said, it's got off to a flying start. Uh, Market cap is uh, $47 at the current market price of $0.26 a share. And to give us a rundown on just what Barton's ambitions are in the Gawler, we've got Alex Scanlon, the MD and CEO, with us today. G'day, Alex. Welcome to the podcast. G'day, Barry. How are you? Thank you for having us. Good. Now, Alex, um, an interesting one here, but I think it might be best, given the company's new, that uh, if you could give investors a bit of a feel for your professional background, and I guess what attracted you to this opportunity? Yeah, thanks. Look, my, my professional background is actually as an economist and a financier. So I've been working exclusively in resources and resource-related businesses, so services providers, financiers of those services providers, as well as the actual uh, developers and assets themselves for the past 12 to 13 years. What attracted us to these assets very much, as you said, as you let in, uh, is that you have a series of assets here that have historically over the past 130 years had a number of times in history where people have sort of paid attention and realized how attractive they are, but then for one reason or another uh, have, have lost focus, have, have trans- transitioned elsewhere. And what we realized that, uh, what, sorry, what we realized was effectively in Tarkula and Tunkilia in particular, that we have two very large scale mineral systems that are very, very underexplored. And this was not sort of just a guess. This was actually based on new work that we started doing long before acquiring these assets. So that for us, as we see, is a a really significant opportunity. Mm, And exciting stuff for the state as well. Um, Now, before we jump into uh, the projects themselves, I think there's quite clearly a a sort of a high-tech bent to the company. You're not um, just rolling up with a draw rig and sticking holes here, there and everywhere. You've actually stepped back a bit, it seems, and uh, sought to uh, employ the latest and uh, greatest in uh, what exploration technologies are out there. Can you just talk us through that? Yeah, look, innovation is actually a really big focus for us. You know, we have some traditional exploration tools and methodologies, uh, as all explorers do. But in the Galler Creighton, and one of the reasons why people have tended to look past it is that you have to deal with the challenge of exploring undercover. Now, that cover might only be two or three meters thick, but where you don't have a visual expression in the form of outcropping mineralization, 
you have to you have to basically do a little bit more work. It takes more time. It costs more money, and so people lose patience. What we've done is look at bringing old technology into new applications and new novel technologies that are just coming to the market for the first time. And what we're trying to do is effectively build tools to defeat the challenges of exploration undercover. So we've worked with uh, industry leading experts uh, in the seismic field, like HiSize, uh, worked in, with gravity experts, Ultramag and DashSet. We're also trialing some of the newest technology that's not yet available in the market in the form of portable PPBs uh, detector system. That's something that was actually formed uh, in CSIRO. And then most recently, we've actually formed a major R&D partnership with Sensor, which is also recently listed, to adapt their uh, discriminant predictive targeting engine, which is an artificial intelligence and machine learning targeting engine from the Western Australian uh, platform on which it was built to the central Gallic right in South Australia. So we're really leaning all in on that innovation component hand in hand with exploration. And that's been very successful for us. Okay. Now, you had a very uh, busy uh, 2021 uh, uh, post the IPO. And that uh, has brought you to a point where I think you've... Uh, You've expanded uh, your targets and uh, getting more confident about adding uh, the resource positions that you've already got. Can you just uh, run through what, where you're at? Uh, I guess Tunkilia is where the company has, uh, well, I'll just step back a bit. The total attributable ounces the company has in mineral resources is 1.1 million ounces at a nice grade of 1.2 grams a tonne, most of which is at Tunkilia, which is about 70 kilometres southeast of Tarkula. So what's the situation now as uh, 2022 unfolds for you at Tankilia? Yeah, so uh, going, going back to your original question, um, yeah, we had a lot of success post-IPO. And again, that was based on a lot of pre-IPO work and bringing in this new technology. So Tarkula plus Tankilia together, you know, as you mentioned, were the first people to have them together in a portfolio with a dedicated exploration approach, but probably more importantly, a dedicated exploration budget. So we're very, very well capitalized. We IPO'd, raised $15 million. We still have 11.6 of that uh, as of the 31st of December, but we did a lot of aggressive work post-IPO. We identified 25 new shallow targets on our existing mining lease at Tarkula. And between Tarkula and Tunkilia, we added about two kilometers of new mineralization. So very substantial growth in the combined footprint of those two projects. And then this year, we're looking to really lean into that and continue to build so all of that was done post-IPO last year with about 10,000 meters of drilling. We're looking to commence about 20,000 meters of drilling from next month during April. So we will be looking this year, as you mentioned, to have a substantial increase in the resource base. And at Tonkilia, where we already have 965,000 ounces, that 965,000 ounces is very continuous, broad mineralization. It's the kind of mineralization you can drive an eight-lane highway through. So very, very efficient to develop and operate. We've also validated and confirmed that it has high-grade zones inside of it. So a lot of room for optimization. But the exciting part, the growth part, is that we have found, since IPO, 1.5 kilometers of new mineralization there. And the same targeting models that we validated with those two new discoveries at Area 223 and Area 191 predict that we will continue to extend and replicate that mineralization over several additional kilometers there. 
So we really see that northern area there at Tonkilia as having substantial potential to multiply rapidly in terms of the footprint of the project, but also the total mineral resources. And then the question becomes, what about the next 25 kilometers of that shear zone? Mm. And this uh, 20,000 meters of drilling you're talking about, uh, Tarkula gets uh, hit with some holes as well, does it? Absolutely. So Tarkula and Tonkilia will share that drilling pretty evenly. So Tarkula will have about 10,000 meters of drilling. Tonkilia as well, about 10,000 meters of drilling. The nature of the mineralization at Tonkilia is that it is very, very continuous. So we can use that drilling to identify uh, you know, long, continuous bodies of mineralization. It's relatively easy to build mass there, if that makes sense. Hmm. At Tarkula, we're more sort of geologically constrained, tightly constrained, narrower, higher grade stuff, the kinds of things that come out in a bunch of small, high grade pits. But around the existing, uh, the existing open pit there that is on our mining lease, we were the first people to do proper drilling around that. And for example, we identified an entirely new high-grade gold zone right at the edge of the pit, which was not known to the previous owners. So we will look at doing some additional extensional work on that new gold zone. We called it Perseverance West. It's about 20 meters deep. It's 350 meters long. It'd be a very easy and rich uh, extensional drive from that existing pit. But then the big picture at Tarkul really is the big picture. We've done a huge amount of technical work, which has demonstrated that Tarkul is not a question of one area that was known to be mineralized at, or, you know, X marks the spot, maybe the pit, so, so to speak. And we simply hope that we can grow that X. The work that we've done is demonstrated that we have a dozen or more parallel and cross-cutting structures, which are perfectly analogous to the structure which created that high-grade pit. And that pit was producing between three and six gram per ton during 2018. So we really see the potential there at Tarkula to actually create a camp-scale operation of multiple high-grade open pits. And we're going to be stepping out and testing this year some of those very highest priority targets, which continue to be validated and cross-validated with every single piece of technical work that we do. Right. Quite remarkable, uh, Tarkula. Uh, of course, um, its early production history was in the uh, early 1900s and uh, I believe it's named after the, well, uh, before then, because it's uh, actually named after the 1893 Melbourne Cup winner. That's correct. It was it was discovered in 1893 and named after the Melbourne Cup winner. Right. So future discoveries in that part of the world will continue that fine tradition of naming. Very naming. likely. <laughs> Right. Okay. Now, this is what, uh, those two are in what you call your southern hub, and then you have this northern hub where you have the the Challenger gold mine discovered in the 1990s by Dominion through an uh, innovative uh, calcrete sampling program. But the mill is still there, 650,000 tonnes per annum, and a village, a small resource, um, about 130 kilometres northwest of Tarkula. Where does that fit into your uh, ambitions? Yeah, really good question. Um, you know, it's really easy to look at this and, and assume that it might be attractive and it is to, to sort of go back into operations really quickly. But we are really focused on the big picture there. Um, if we look at the Challenger mine itself, and, and we were really interested in acquiring the infrastructure. So we essentially acquired the mine because it's on the same mining lease. That is the only gold mill in the region. So that already provides us a unique sort of regional advantage. There are a number of explorers that have come in now following us mm -hmm. and are starting to explore up the region around that mill. So there is an opportunity to look at, you know, consolidation of the region around the mill or toll trading 
which of course would be a nice low risk way for us to, to pick up the economics of other gold production in the region. But one of the really attractive features of having that mill is that it did successfully process ore from Tarkula during 2017 and 2018. Okay. So, the the distance between the two projects, uh, as the as the crow flies, so to speak, is 130 kilometers. Driven along the Hall Road is 160, and that seems a long distance, but it's actually not that expensive. It costs about twenty dollars per ton to haul from Tarkula to Challenger, and once you get that material there, the mill itself is actually very cost efficient. It's about twenty nine dollars per ton to, to to process in terms of marginal cost per ton. And it runs at about 94.5% recoveries. So when you're sending three or four or five gram per ton ore, you can have very, very profitable ounces. And that gives us a very interesting opportunity when we consider the development proposition of that southern hub. That when we decide to push go on a larger scale operation, that will probably see a large scale new mill at Tonkilia where Tarkula will functionally act as a high-grade satellite to Tonkilia. But in the first instance, we can bring forward operations from Tarkula a couple of years. We can start operating there, start extracting high-grade shallow ore. We can send it to our existing plant, and we can bring forward cash flows. That obviously gives us the advantage of, one, getting ourselves into the swing of operations, two, getting the mill going at a nice steady clip, but three, moving ourselves earlier uh, into a producer profile while we're focused on developing at Tunkilia and Tarkula gives us the advantage as well of being a profitable operator, uh, which also then has a very different financing profile when you're talking to financiers about building a new mill at Tunkilia. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of layers there, but, but the optionality between these assets is really what makes each of them so interesting and together very interesting. Yeah. Yeah, 160 kilometers is, uh, well, not all that much when you compare with uh, two to 300 kilometers is quite common in the eastern gold fields of WA nowadays uh, and at much lower grades, around the one and a half, two grams. So it can be done. Mm. So is there remaining uh, gold exploration potential at Challenger? Uh, Certainly there is. The, the, The mineralization at Challenger is very, very consistent in its tenor and orientation. So... The Challenger mine has been mined to about a thousand meters depth and the structures that were being mined, predominantly the M1, M2 and M3 loads, continue to the center of the earth as far as anyone knows. They've been mapped to another 500 meters depth mm-hmm. beyond where they've currently been mined. But, you know, the challenge there is that, you know, as you probably are very familiar, underground drilling and development of resources is a very cost intensive exercise. Uh, so you've got to you've got to you know develop out and create adits and drilling rooms so that you can drill at an angle and target underground uh, reserve conversion. You know the cost that it would require to develop a sufficient mining reserve to restart the challenger underground could easily be applied to delineating a few million ounces of open pitable resource at Tarkula mm-hmm. Tunkilia, mm-hmm. and then when you compare the risk. Uh, characteristics of developing those those two different competing operations, that southern hub, that large scale open pitable stuff, uh, you know, wins hands down. So, yeah, th- there's an option in the Challenger mine. There is some uh, there is some historical uh, or sort of leftover mineralization that's there, 
And then in the vicinity of Challenger, I mean, it, it is a very, very interesting area geologically. It's very likely that there are repeats of Challenger. Um, on some of the joint venture interests that we have, there are 319,000 ounces of Jork resources within 40, kilo- uh, 40 kilometers of our mill. So, okay. mm-hmm. um, you know, th- there, there is certainly a lot going on there, but it's really a question of focus for us. And, you know, the I think the, the way that I like to put it is we don't want to focus on rushing to be a 60,000 ounce per annum producer and sacrifice becoming a 260,000 ounce producer two years later. Yeah, and 250,000 ounces for the long term. Correct. Yeah. So do you have and are you able to say what sort of threshold ounces do you need uh, in resource to uh, get cracking on a development, be it at uh, Tankilia or Tarkula? Yeah, look, I think from from a kind of a high level perspective, if you consider, you know, an objective to really start a large scale development and operation, so north of 200,000 ounces per annum, obviously you're going to want to get yourself somewhere closer to that magic 2 million ounce number in resource, because that will then give you the confidence to start looking at, okay, now we're going to initiate a pre-feasibility study for a truly large scale development. So, the strategy will be to continue to build our footprint, convert that footprint into additional jork mineralization and establish that base to say, okay, we're now going to move forward into that kind of a PFS. We'll continue the exploration in parallel with feasibility work because once you find 2 million ounces, uh, you know, then you want to find 3 million ounces so that you can have, you know, 200,000 to 250,000 ounces for eight to 10 years. And then everything that you add on to the back of that in terms of additional discovery, additional resources is extending that life of project. Yeah. Okay. Alex, you presented recently at a conference in Brisbane and in the slide pack out the back, there was an interesting uh, comparison with uh, some of your peers in the ASX gold space, junior space. And I think uh, your EV per ounce was about 30 bucks an ounce and the average for your peers was about 90 um, in rough terms there. Uh, what do you need to do, you think, to close that gap or to capture that uh, upside? Yeah, look, good question. I think I think the you know, one of the issues for us is, uh, you know, awareness in the market, right? So we're a recently IPO'd company. So people are just now hearing the story for the first time in many cases. Since our IPO, we've actually seen our uh, share shareholder participation or the size of our shareholder register increase considerably. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's the message is starting to get out there. Also, since we started putting out exploration results in October and November, we've seen a really strong move in our share price from about 17 cents up to 26, 27 cents. So, you know, we came to market as what we believe to be a very attractive, you know, high exploration, you know, proposition or sort of high exploration prospectivity proposition, which could be attractive. And what we've demonstrated now is that, hey, we knew what we were doing. We did a lot of work. We understood opportunities. We validated our theses. We're making discoveries. We're very efficient in how we do that. So the real first opportunity is for increased market awareness, essentially close the gap on that relative valuation. As you mentioned, we'd have to do about a 3x in our share price to trade in line just with our peers. And when we talk about our peers, 
I'm very, very critical of, of, of comparable companies analysis, unless it's very tightly restrained. But, you know, when you look at our presentation, what you see is, you know, these are true comparables, right? So these are ASX listed Australian open pit projects that are sub 1.3 gram per ton that mm -hmm. look like our mineralization. And that's where you see they, they trade on average about $95 per ounce, but we trade at 30. So we'd have to do a three X to trade in line with them before considering any value for our infrastructure. And it's worth noting that among all of the groups here, we're the only ones that actually have a plant. Yeah. So we are really a compelling value in that regard. So, you know, awareness is key. Awareness of South Australia is key. Uh, and then of course, continued discovery success. You know, we, we're going to have the drill rig turning uh, next month. We'll have, probably the better part of five or six months of announcements in terms of drilling results coming from that. I think that continued news flow uh, will really give people a much better understanding of one, how we work, two, uh, you know, two, what we're doing. And we've got a lot of other stuff going on at the corporate level as well, too. So other value add initiatives that are non-dilutive to shareholders, which I think might be a pleasant surprise for people. <laughs> Certainly in the junior space, yes. Okay. Uh, very interesting story. Uh, if we could just finally wrap up, just something that uh, I'm curious about, the name, Barton Gold. Where'd that come from? Uh, named after the first Prime Minister of Australia. Any particular reason? I'm sure he was a great man, but... Uh, look, it actually, it, it was interesting. It was, a, it was a colleague's idea, and it was really a nod to the history of the gold industry in Australia itself. Um, you know, the, the formation of Australia as a united collection of states and territories really happened as a result of the Western Australian gold rush at the time where you had so many voting age males move West mm -hmm. that there was a political need to come to bring Western Australia into union with the rest of Australia so that you could actually get enough votes to get your election. So <laughs> Barton actually, uh, Barton and the, the formation of Australia really does trace uh, its own origins to the gold industry. So it's kind of just an interesting uh, interesting correlation there. Yeah, it is. And I mentioned uh, we're still long into our third production uh, gold boom here. The first, of course, was the Victorian gold rush and Kalgoorlie, mm -hmm. as you've just mentioned. So there we go. All right, Alex, a very interesting story. Um, thanks for uh, alerting us there to the strong news flow that will be coming as this drilling program gets going. So we wish you all the best with it and thanks for your time today. Thank you very much, Barry.